Jackson, live, live in the studio, live and local. This is the Matt Wyatt Show, talking about sports from around the world and right here at home. Streaming to you at the Zone 1059.com and on your radio on ESPN 105.9, the Zone. All right, here we go. Hour three. Hour three of the show. Presented by Overstreet Properties in Starkville. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. JB is here. We're glad you're here, too. Appreciate you coming on by. Grab a chair over there. Have a seat. Go, Yeah, there you go. Sit down right there. Have a seat with us here at the table. We'll chat it up with you for the next hour. See what's up in your life. We'll tell you what's up in ours. See if we can come to any conclusions. Overstreet Properties in Starkville. You headed up there? If so, check them out. If you need a place to stay for the weekend, Several weekends, maybe you're going in for ball games, need a condo to stay while you're in town. Leasing an apartment for a student, maybe moving permanently or looking for investment property, anything real estate related. Go to overstreetproperties.com in Starkville and uh, tell Kane Overstreet what you're looking for and he'll get you hooked up. Great people there. You'll be glad that's where you started. Trust me on that. Well, we have had some news today, haven't we? Did y'all see that? I'm sure you've seen it. Big Ten is going to play football starting at the end of October. That's what they say. They have some pretty strict stipulations on how they're going to do it, how they're going to get it started, and you know how many people have to be COVID-free and everything for that to work. I did see this note here being reported by Teddy Greenstein, who is a writer, sports writer for the Chicago Tribune. Northwestern Director of Sports Medicine Jeff Mahanes says antigen testing is so good it can, quote, detect a level of virus thought to be below the level of infectivity. In other words, so positive cases can be identified and isolated before a player is contagious. Greenstein said that's huge, and if it is true, then indeed it is. Yeah. So if that's the case, it can... Positive cases can be identified and isolated before a player is contagious. And yeah, you're right. If that's the case, it's huge because what does it do? You know, if that becomes available, widespread, it becomes proven, it can work, right? Right. Then you test using this antigen, and it's going to detect uh, a slight level that, okay, you've got it. You're not contagious now, but we've detected it, so we're going to get you treated and taken care of before you can, you know, can infect others, and it might help with the spread. Right? That could potentially be big news. I tell you, there's been so many things out there though too. It's hard to know. Like, what does it mean? You know, I'm one of 300 and 400 million people around here. How are you going to get it to me or to my neighbor or to my mom or to my dad? You know, I mean, there's just so many questions. But I thought I would pass that along. All right. I mentioned George Teague just a little bit ago. As we were at the end of our head-to-head matchup preview this week, it was Miami and Louisville. We started looking at the series history. That led us to the Heisman winners for Miami, two of them. One of them, Gino Toretta, remembered the... National title game that Gino Toretta played in in 92 against Alabama. Alabama's defense chewed him up, spit him out. 
led us to the story about George Teague running down the receiver down the field, taking a ball away from him, and how George Teague in the NFL was the man who knocked T.O. off the star in Dallas when he was trying to disrespect it with his touchdown celebration. George Teague was the real deal, is the real deal. Fletch is on the Divinity Equipment phone line right now with a George Teague story. What's up, Fletch? Good afternoon, fellas. Hey. What's so up? so talking about that, talking about George and defending the star, I think that's the, the there's, a, there's a photo uh, that, that they call it, and it's defending the star. But when George was a DB, when he was younger, uh, Bill Curry had recruited a couple of tough guys from California um, as DBs. Um, and um, one of them was Mark McMillan. We talked about the oh, little, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. like, 5'6 DB. So a couple of, couple of guys from L.A., uh, pretty tough guys, and they would mix it up, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And George kind of fell in with them one time, and there was a – little bit of a scrum and you know he started kicking some folks in the pile and and i told him later i said because george is definitely a a a good dude good Mm -hmm. solid guy you know he's head coach and ad right out of the high school in dallas um solid guy and i just said look man you don't have to do that you're better than that and i said if not you know just save it for the game that's your own players because this was practice (laughs) you know and he kind of said yeah whatever who are you um (laughs) but when we had one of the uh one of the reunions for the for the ninety two championship. I don't know if it was ten or twenty. At some point after George defended the star, hmm. so I just said, "Hey, I kind of got on you one time about that little scrum in practice, and you're better than that." I said, "But I couldn't have been more proud of you when you knocked T.O. on his can uh, <laughs> in Dallas." Yeah, and uh, and he he just smiled. <laughs> but I think if you recall, T.O. That was T.O.'s second score. He spiked it on the first one, and nobody reacted. Ah. George wasn't going to let it happen twice, though. I see. I see. So he kind of had a heads up. And and I would like to go back and see it. I just have that image of him kind of you know burned in my head. Number 31 for the Cowboys. T.O.'s going to do the thing on the star. And out of nowhere, George Teak was running full speed when he hit him You know, after the play. And what I don't remember, Fletch, and you – may be able to help me remember I love I would love to have been able to see in the stadium the Dallas fans reaction to George Teague doing that it had to make him sort of a legend among Dallas Cowboys fans didn't it no doubt no doubt yeah he I mean he he is forever in cowboy lore for that I mm-hmm. mean that is without a doubt right I mean I mean a lot of if you watch any of his Twitter stuff I mean it's more people will contact him about, you know, Bama fan for life because of stripping that ball uh-huh. in a championship game. Mm-hmm. Cowboy fan for life because of you defending the star. I mean, it's it's two teams, two deep-rooted sentiments. Right. Absolutely. Didn't he, and George Teague, I think, he went to Jeff Davis High School in Montgomery, I believe. I think that was his high right. school. And, right. you know, and let's just say it like it is. I mean, even 35, 40 years ago, coming up in downtown Montgomery, you know, like you're either tough or you're gone. <laughs> you know, in a, in a lot of that place, 
I'm not surprised that that's his personality, but you, you think about what you're touching on there, Fletch. A, a, a college program like Alabama, a pro um, organization like the Cowboys, and two of the most iconic things that have ever happened that are outside of the norm, both of them just totally outside of the norm, that were spectacular because nobody's seen anything quite like it before or since. One during a play, one after a play. And both of it because of the toughness and aggressiveness of George Teague, this this guy from Montgomery, Alabama. It's pretty cool. Thanks for the story. But tough, but but he he's got a he's got a good demeanor, uh, and I'm pretty sure he finished his bachelor's in uh, electrical engineering, if not if not civil. But I'm wow. not positive. Really? Okay. And he's yeah. a head, head coach yeah, at a high we, school out in, in Dallas, or just. Somewhere else in, in a, Texas. In AD, yeah. No, uh, well, I mean, it's one of the it's one of the uh, bedroom communities, Richardson, or I, got I can't remember exactly. Okay, Plano yeah. somewhere. Um, and two two plays which will which will live in infamy. Mm-hmm. Um, but technically, the one in New Orleans didn't occur. Why is that? Oh, did they have to? Remember, it got called back. It got called back. Yeah. Wait a um, minute. It got called back because of what? I'd forgotten that. I can't remember if it was offensive penalty. Uh, okay. Or what? But I'm I'm almost positive. I okay. Be wrong. Pretty sure okay. it got waved off though. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'd forgotten that part of it. That's funny. Also, appreciate the memories, Fletch. Thank you. See y'all. Thanks. See ya. Uh, Joseph on watching on Facebook. Teague had a solid career at Green Bay and Dallas. And that's right. I'd forgotten that he'd played for a little while for Green Bay. <clears throat> Fletch reminded us on the text line, Brother Bill Oliver had the mojo on Toretta in that Miami offense, the 92 championship game. You go back and you watch that national championship game that year, Alabama versus Miami. It was, I mean, just Miami had the air raid before there was ever an air raid. Miami was throwing a ball all over the field, airing it out, you know, Toretta, the big numbers, you know, throwing it down the field vertically. And that's three or four years before it really got going at Florida under Spurrier. And it was that style of offense versus just classic, prototypical, stereotypical SEC football out of Alabama. They were winning every game like 14 to 3. In that year in 92, Barker was a sophomore. They ran the ball, ball control offense. They were not, they were not bad. I mean, they had David Palmer and Derek Lassick and some of those guys on offense. But Barker was a sophomore, and he wasn't, you know, he didn't set the world on fire throwing a ball. He was pretty good, but they just controlled it on offense and beat people with their defense. They beat people 14 to 3, 17 to nothing all year. That versus that vaunted Miami passing game. And you're right. Bill Oliver, the defensive coordinator that year for Alabama, they go in there. And I just remember I was in high school, young high school, either freshman or sophomore, I don't remember. But watching the game and how it jumped out at me that Alabama put their defenders, at times all 11 of them, on the line of scrimmage. There were lots of times in that game where Toretta and that passing game would get to the line of scrimmage and Alabama would have nine 10, and even in a few cases, all 11 players had their toes on the line of scrimmage. And it freaked them out. On top of the fact they couldn't, 
they couldn't block those two defensive ends one on one. They didn't have, their tackles could not block them. Eric Curry, John Copeland. You're right. It was a heck of a plan. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, more bully on the country pleasing text line said, "What does it say out there on Monday about Saban? Good try. Maybe oh, he, oh. maybe he, tra- he maybe that was a text uh, error. It's a Jake." Put that out there Monday about Saban. About Saban. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, Jason in Flagstaff. Question, Brother Wyatt, JB. With the numbers better out here, talking about out west, except for one town, is there any way for the Pac-12 to fit some games in without Los Angeles? I don't think they could do it. See, I mean, you got, you got two you, of the main schools in the Pac-12 that are right there. I know. I mean, how are you going to get it done without USC and UCLA? I mean, as a conference, you know. Um, well, and, granted, they're not germane to any kind of national picture, but, yeah. you know, you still got Arizona State, Arizona, Oregon, mm-hmm. Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, you know. Yeah. California. And, again, Oregon had a bunch of players on Twitter today, um, you know, demanding to play. If you see that, they were tweeting it. I follow a guy who used to work for AL.com, and now he covers uh, Oregon named James Crepia, and he's out there and was retreating about so several players. Let us play, or we demand to play. And things you like, know, yeah. I've, I have found over my lifetime that when I try to demand something, that's usually yeah. it doesn't usually work out to benefit me. It doesn't work. It's amazing, <laughs> no. isn't it? It's, you know, you got them one month, they're demanding not to play, and now they're demanding yeah. to play. You know, make up your mind. It's kind of like trying to convince somebody else of your opinion by calling them names. It never works, does right. it? It just no. never works. Uh-uh. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, let me let me run. I'd like to re, I'd like to run through a few tweets with you. Would you mind? Tweetly diddly dee. Uh, tweetly diddly dee. I'd like to give you a tweet or two here. Huh? Yeah, Man, I love that too. I do too. Facebook will take this one down, but I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> You're not demanding anything, so it's okay. <laughs> That's it. Um, Kirk sent me a tweet earlier. I'm Radio Wyatt on Twitter. There was a comment in a column at uh, USA Today. That one you sent me earlier, John, where uh, the woman was Christine saying... Christine Brennan. Christine Brennan was saying the Big Ten's decision to play football is the darkest day in the conference's sports history. I mean, it's just asinine. And there was even a, a comment in here about the SEC. It said, Wednesday, the darkest day in Big Ten sports history, the day the vaunted conference caved, it choked, it got scared, it became the SEC. And Kirk sent that to me. And, and I just retweeted it and thought, what's, what's her gripe with the SEC? Because the fact is, other leagues, and I tweeted this, other leagues have returned to play sooner, including both the ACC and the Big 12. That's the words you put in quotes when you responded. What's that? South. It, South, yeah. I mean, um, and, and somebody they said that. They have preconceived conceptions. Yeah. You know, and uh, and until you come and be a, it, you know, it's just like we have preconceived notions of, of people that live in California, New York, and other places. Yeah. And and until we, and I say collectively, 
get to the point where we're we're not basing the reality of somebody on our preconceived notions trying to match them up with what we think they should be mm. or what we thought they were you know let let people be who they are and and if you don't get along with them fine you ain't got to hang out with them yeah the big broad paintbrush never is accurate it just never is no and in this case it is and you know what the person who tweeted that is exactly right unfortunately she puts the sec in there it's just patently unintelligent to do that when you've got other conferences who have begun play sooner than the SEC has. It actually, because of using the SEC and her um, pithy little example there, because of using the SEC, it takes away any possible intelligent credibility from what she's saying. It, it's kind of like calling names and expecting people to agree with you. It's just yeah. dumb is what well, it is. Well, in, in some journalistic circles... Well, that would be called malice. Yeah, and so, you know, it's just dumb. Um, here's one. Phil Steele retweeted the article from OregonLive.com. Oregon Ducks wide receiver Micah Pittman, quarterback Tyler Show, among the Pac-12 players demanding the conference and Governor Kate Brown allow football season to start. Folks, in the Pac-12, we had a player unity group Supposedly, they supposedly thought that they represented all the players in the conference. They were going to boycott their season. Remember that a while back? They were going to boycott if they didn't get all their demands on the list. Well, so far they've gotten exactly none of those demands met. And now a whole bunch of players at, at one big Pac-12 school are demanding to play. <laughs> it's a, I retweeted it and said it's hard to figure out who's part of the player unity group and who isn't. I would say uh, here's one that uh, here's a couple that I want to read to you. I tweeted this earlier. Certain media members have been very critical of the SEC, ACC, and others for proceeding, calling them stubborn. Where's their criticism of the Big Ten's reversal? Think about that. Where is it? And I followed it up with this thought. It seems to me the Big Ten should be applauded for finding a path to move forward and possibly play. But if a journalist has been critical of the SEC and others, how can they applaud the Big Ten without it being obvious, unabashed hypocrisy? See, they, they put themselves in kind of in a corner and now they've painted themselves in the corner. The Big Ten flew out of that corner, but these folks can't fly. Tweedly diddly do. Uh, by the way, uh, JB, <laughs> it's pretty funny right here. That tweet, certain media members have been very critical of the SEC, ACC, and others for proceeding, calling them stubborn. Where's their criticism of the Big Ten's reversal? Yeah. You remember Clint Sterner, the quarterback at Arkansas in the late 90s? I do. S-T-O-E-R-N-E-R. Uh, yeah. He was a really good player. Quarterback. Played for the Cowboys for a year or two. Sure did. Uh, he had known Clint for a long time, played against him. Great guy. And he retweeted it and said, Cats are out here backpedaling like Fred Smoot in 99. <laughs> <laughs> the Smoot. Isn't that great? <laughs> oh, man. And people, Fast Freddy. Fast Freddie. People still remember 
Fred for sure, especially those that played against him like Clint. Uh, real quick here, country pleasing text line. Brown Hornet. Matt, I had an opportunity to see that national championship game in person. This is at the end of the 92. He says the television version did it no justice. I don't think there will ever be as dominant a football game as that one. Yeah, I mean, it was like men against boys. Miami had no chance in the ball game. I've never seen a Heisman winner after the winning the Heisman go to whatever postseason game they're going to play in and be as helpless in the game as Gino Toretta was. And, and Toretta's a great guy, too. He does a good job on the radio, too. does some national radio broadcasts. It's not ESPN. I want to say maybe it's Westwood One or something like that. But, um, but he does a really good job. Uh, talking about the writer at USA Today. Unnamed texter said, Christine has always been against the SEC. She actually had a Heisman Trophy vote and voted for the Big Ten candidate because he was from the Big Ten. She actually stated that. I've never read anything else from her since then. Nor should you. She probably graduated from Northwestern. Yeah, most likely. You know, they have a, a mm-hmm. big-time journalism school there. Right. Jonathan, country please, and text line 885-ESPN. Y'all text me 885-3776. Darkest day in Big Ten history. He goes, yeah, right there with the whole Sandusky thing, huh? Hashtag say what? JB was telling me that the name Sandusky is actually trending in America on Twitter simply because of what she wrote. Now imagine that. Imagine that. All right. I'm Matt. JB's here. Little ways to go with y'all. Stick around. Be right back. Back on the show. I'm Matt here in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team. So go with them. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau Insurance all across the state of Mississippi. I've had our family's car home and life insurance with Farm Bureau for a long time. Could not be happier. You know? Security, I don't know, you know, having security and feeling secure and safe and everything, safety, you know, that's relative, I guess, for everybody. But, you know, for us, when it comes to life insurance, I guess there are a lot of people out there who, you know, don't need it, don't want it, and that's totally fine. There are also a lot of people out there who, I guess, from a security standpoint, they got enough saved and and assets and money and all that kind of stuff sitting around that if something happens to them, their family's going to be fine either way. And I guess anybody can make it. But for me, that's not the case with us. We, I have life insurance with Farm Bureau. And it's, you know, it, sometimes it does help to you know, head out in the morning, go out, do things, and make trips. You know that, hey, if, if something does happen, um, wife and daughter are going to be able to uh, be okay financially. Yeah, that's a good thing. 
It I is just think thing. sometimes my wife is in a hurry for me to use mine. Yeah, you start. She starts. You catch her like just staring at you out of the corner of your eye. But she just a, looks at the you know the the statement when it comes in. <laughs> I get this much money if you die. <laughs> I went. Yeah, she this goes, much. How you mm-hmm. feeling today, honey? Mm-hmm. And I'm here, like, oh. <laughs> here, here, have, have, a, have, have some g- of these these strychnine tablets. <laughs> here has a here's a glass of water. Yeah. Go ahead, turn it up. <laughs> Drink all that now. I know you're thirsty. Be a good boy. But, it, it, but you're <laughs> right, man. It is a good feeling to know that if if you if you know you were too right, just your time was up. You know the thing you want. You know because you're going to be dead. And you're not going to be able to think about it. Mm-hmm. But you sure do want a plan for your family to be taken care of. That's right. That's right. And man alive, Farm Bureau Insurance has really helped us with that. So I highly recommend it. Hey! Hey! I got another tweet. <laughs> you know the Jackson 5 has a pretty cool version of that. It's better, if you ask me. I like the Jackson 5 version better. This one from Peter Burns. Thank you, JB, for forwarding this over to me. You got it. Peter Burns, SEC Network. He is Peter Burns ESPN on Twitter. The players and coaches could have wanted to play. The families and fans could have wanted them to play. The politicians could have wanted them to play. But had the medical professionals not come up with better testing, the Big Ten wasn't coming back and says that those are who, quote, saved the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, and I mean, that makes a lot of sense once they've made the move to um, uh, to cancel it, you know, they'd have to have pretty good motivation to be able to reverse that and bring that back. And um, you know, there's some interesting stuff there. I, I think you could really dial in and peel back the onion on, you know, uh, one of the medical experts who is at LSU, a woman, a doctor who advises and as a part of a group, the SEC, and she gave an interview pretty early on when the SEC was making the decision to proceed with testing and practice and getting ready to play. And some people took it as like, I don't know, taking a shot, but she just said, well, some of these who've canceled may not be where we are on this. We're, we're a little farther along. She was talking about some of the cardiac um, testing for myocarditis and understanding of it, all those things. And, Look, maybe it wasn't hyperbole. Maybe it really is true that the SEC was a little farther along on some of those things. Maybe. Could very well be. Well, and we don't live on top of each other like a lot of folks in the Midwest and mm-hmm. the Northeast. That's do. it. That's a really good I mean, point. We don't have mass transit. So, I mean, that's that. Uh, to me, that's mm-hmm. one of the largest contributors to uh, this COVID spread is just mass transit. People don't have access to any kind of transportation unless it's public, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, that's the ultimate underlying, no denying motivation for why they came back. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it would have to support it. Like they couldn't just make it up, you know, that's right. Harbaugh would have, <laughs> well, I think he'd have got the support. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't have gotten it from his governor, would he? I'm just I'm excited because he gets to put on his bike shorts and come out and coach now. <laughs> <laughs> right, the Jake. Old... I, I bet Jake has a, a pair of bike softball shorts in his. Closet I bet he does. 
with the two buttons on the front. <laughs> two buttons on the front, and and he got the short version, not the long Bermuda style version. Yeah, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> Daggum Jake, man. I love that boy. He does a great show too. Yeah, he does. I, I listen to him in the afternoons on uh, online. I use the iHeart app. I just have it on my phone. I've already saved, you know, 105.9 The Zone as one of my favorites on the iHeart app. And so a lot of times I get done, and I, I go out and start doing stuff, and I hit the app and just start listening to Jake. Um, you know, the only thing, though, about Jake is he calls Beaver. A lot of times he calls him Mr. Producer. Mr. Producer, I know. <laughs> I wonder how Beaver feels about that. I don't think Beaver cares. He just looks at him like, you know, call me Banana Head, <laughs> whatever you want to call me. Yeah. You know. It's better than Chicken Hawk calling uh, um, Chris Brooks. What do you call him? He called him Melonhead. Melonhead. Oh, Charles Brooks, Melonhead. My father-in-law has a really good friend, uh, Doc Oakman. They live uh, in the Jackson metro area. Great folks. Used to live in Vicksburg. He and Carol Ann. <laughs> and my father-in-law has been friends with Doc for all these years. And Doc is a big, tall, broad-shouldered, strong guy, you know. Great guy. Great people but he's got a large head and i cracked up one day when i realized that the nickname my father-in-law gave him was simply head <laughs> like they came over to visit and doc and carol ann walked in and everybody's like hey and then winky goes what's up head it's like that new hulu commercial with saquon barkley and, yeah. and baker mayfield yeah like they look like bobblehead dolls. <laughs> so head, I'm like, and then it hit me. He is calling him head because his head is large. <laughs> He's named him head. Uh, that's great. Did you just start giggling. Yes. Figured it out. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> They're great. They're really Sorry, great folks, folks. I got the joke. <laughs> um, Bill on the country please and text line says Doc and Carolina are their neighbors. And you ever get on their pontoon boat with them, Bill? I think I've been invited, but we haven't been able to make it yet. But I'm going to make it one of these days. They are such kind people. Last year, um, when we were doing the uh, football dinner, the football film study dinners, the one we did in uh, Jackson the char, the there char. at Char. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a great place to eat. Yeah, it is, and... It was a great setup for the dinner. The room was perfect. We had one of those projectors, and the screen comes down, you know, and I'm using a little laser pointer. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I think everybody else did, too. Roger came. It was. I'm really glad he was able to come. But, yeah, and Doc and Carol Ann came, and they really helped me. A lot of times my wife would come, and she would help get people seated and greet and get things started and all, and um she was unable to be there, so Doc and Carol Ann volunteered, and they just came on their own accord and really helped, and that was a that was a big deal to me. You know, what was that? What's that saying? Um, we've said it on this show before, Maya Angelou. People will forget what you say, and people will forget what you do, but they will never forget the way you make them feel. That's exactly right, pal. And just That's, them mm. on their own accord coming to help me. Which gave me a chance that night to kind of release a little stress and go, it's going to be okay. And just go, I'll never forget the way they made me feel that night. 
And so Doc and Carol Ann, hope y'all are doing well. Hey, head. <laughs> What's up, head? <laughs> i never forget that. Gave Maybe I should call you Feats. I know. I mean, it's like it's the most <laughs> obvious thing in the world, isn't it? I'm going to call you hair. <laughs> you know? Uh, or less. I'm gonna call um, I'm gonna call Chris Brooks calf, calf muscles, calf muscles. We'll ch- well we call Jake recline. That's what I'm gonna call him. The um, call me calf rope, <laughs> calf rope. Something with reclining. Y'all stick around. Well. Why not? It's been that kind of day. It's been a fun show. Plenty of content. I really think there's been a... And we've had a good show. And JB, we just got the best text on this show we've gotten in a long time. Yeah, what's up, pal? I mean, it's just fantastic. It's a text that's full of self-awareness. It's topical because it's about what we were talking about, how people get nicknames based on how they look. And it gives me a chance to hit a button. This is the best text we've had in a long time. From from Delta Tide fan who says, this is Delta Crimson Tide fan. I've been called beanpole before because I am six foot nine and have no rear end at all. (laughs) He says, I'm pretty much a straight line from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Yes! (laughs) Six foot nine, no rear end at all! And so a little yay Alabama for you, Delta Crimson Tide fan. It's the best text we've gotten all day. JB asked him, can he play basketball? He said, no, I'm too slow, fat, clumsy. How could you possibly be fat? How's it even possible? I wonder if this guy will transfer to Alabama. Michigan quarterback Dylan McCaffrey is opting out and will transfer to another school. Because I don't think he'd go to Alabama. They got a young kid, Bryce Young, who's like the QB of the future and probably will be their quarterback four years from now when he's in his third year of actual eligibility. But you never know. Hey, man, this uh, this just came down the, the uh, wire. Looks okay. like the starting quarterback for Bama and the number two guy uh, are going to be out for uh, for a while. What? Yeah, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to see what you'd say. I stepped back from the mic a little bit because I was about to go. I was about to say what so loud that I didn't need to be close to the mic. I actually stepped back here, all the way back here. I was going to go, what? <laughs> you almost I had me. I just figure I'd get some of those Tide fans' <laughs> open real quick. <clears throat> hey, that's right. Sorry to, sorry to scare you like that, Delta Crimson Tide fan. He got so excited he hit his head on the top of the ceiling. On the ceiling. (laughs) He jumped up and. He's doing the opposite of uh, Lionel Richie. Well, (laughs) he's not dancing dancing (laughs) on the ceiling. (laughs) Headbutting the ceiling. Yeah, headbutting the ceiling. 
All right. Divinity Equipment phone line. Jason out in Flagstaff, Arizona. Thank you, Charlie Pride. Hey, Jason, what's up? Well, nothing much. JB just saw some cool points right there. <laughs> that ain't funny. <laughs> <laughs> Not funny, is it? <laughs> he, he said that, and I saw the Red Sea partner for Dan Mullen down in Florida. I'm oh, like, yes. <laughs> yes, and Georgia, who plays Alabama on the schedule. and Oh, yeah. All that, but. Uh, but, yeah, I, I called up. Uh, I asked you a question about an hour ago on the text line. I had to step out for a minute. I thought I'd call and ask just outright. Uh, you know, the Big Ten is talking about starting to play again, and the Pac-12 is mummer, whatever, mumbling. Yeah. Is there any way for the Pac-12 to fit some games in without using Los Angeles? Because well, that's the holdup, I think. Yeah, it has to be. And see, we talked about that a little bit ago, Jason, and JB's – first reaction and I'm kind of the same way was you know how how can you see a path forward for the conference as a conference without USC and UCLA you know is yeah. it is it some type of okay you know like one of these all right as a conference we're going to start practice start date of what you call it but we're going to have a schedule where USC and UCLA play road games cuz we don't want to send our teams yeah. in there cuz if you send the teams in there they got to have a hotel to stay in and, you know, how are you going to confidently do that? I, so it's just it's hard to see it. And see, on top of that, what? I'm not an expert on this, Jason. But see, you've got a portion of that footprint in that Pac-12 who's also dealing with this wildfires thing and air quality stuff and yeah. all that. You know, would even if you found a way to start practice now, would USC, UCLA be able to practice? You know, I don't think they would, you know, just from the COVID thing. They're they're still yeah. There's a lot of people in Los Angeles that are chasing their own tails and yeah, causing that place to be shut down. You know what I think it uh, also is sort of a commentary on too, Jason. Now this is just sort of thinking, you know, broad picture here. Okay. If we were to look at the Big Ten, I believe confidently that if the Big Ten didn't play this year they're looking at a situation where it's going to be really hard for them to recruit high-level yeah. athletes against the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC. And th- and that's it's just hard to convince them to come to your place if they don't play this year. That's just the way it is. But I don't quite feel the same way about the Pac-12 and their recruiting base because, yeah, they recruit on the West Coast and they you know recruit California and Arizona – they do recruit nationally to a degree, but not as much. It, it's like the Pac-12 to me. Yeah. My perception of them is it's still a little more regional. And even if they don't play this year, I don't think they are hurt in the recruiting category as bad as the Big Ten would be. What do you think? I don't see how it could be hurt. I mean, like every, the the big thing is California kids, and they're going everywhere. But the California schools out here, or they go out somewhere else, but right. around the Pac-12, from what I've seen, they're not playing in California anymore. That's a lot of what's wrong with Chip Kelly at UCLA. He can't get the same athletes he got in Oregon. Right. That's and true. Most of those were from California. Mm-hmm. They're just not wanting to stay around. Yeah, it's like there's interconference recruiting battles, but even if you look at, for the Pac-12, if you look at conferences that border them, you know, I yeah. mean, the Mountain West isn't recruiting against the Pac-12. Uh, you know, the MAC to a degree, whereas it's so much different. 
in in I mean, you look at the Big Ten footprint. Look, if Alabama wants somebody in Chicago, they go get them. You know, you know. I think this says everything about uh, California. Didn't Ole Miss swoop in and pluck Matt Corral from California? Um, Corral, yes. Wasn't he from California? Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. And, and signed to USC or Florida or something like that, just trying to get out of there? Yeah, you're right. And they just took him right away. Mm-hmm. That's right. Hey, how about this? You'll find this interesting. It's on the subject. Less than a minute ago, here's a report from California from somebody that is uh, covers USC for the LA Times. He's got a quote less than a minute ago from Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. The quote was, Newsom said, I want to make this crystal clear. Nothing in the state guidelines denies the ability for the Pac-12 to resume. That's been a misrepresentation of the facts. Yeah, he's he gets a bad rap, but I've been watching him. He's he's tried his best to open Los Angeles for a long time, and they the people just will not listen. Every time he tries to open it, the case is skyrocket. Yeah, and they have to shut down again. So is it everywhere else in California is okay except for right there around Los Angeles? Yeah, or not maybe not okay, but better. Right. Somebody on Twitter is making the point that the state guidelines might be a little different though than the L.A. County guidelines right now. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's interesting. Jason, uh, glad you're back. Hope you're doing well. All right. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. You too, man. Thank you. Antonio Morales, who used to uh, cover Ole Miss here in Mississippi for the Clarion Ledger, he's now covering USC for um, The Athletic. <clears throat> he tweeted that Gavin Newsom also said that he spoke to Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott today and that he also called the conference the Pac-10. <laughs> no, so what? I mean, you know, little slip-ups happen here and there. Uh, it's not a big deal. I mean, that stuff happens. We know what they mean. He, he, hey, man. Hey. Just to, to segue into some NFL since we hadn't talked any today. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just, you know, the, the Raiders are having their first home game. Yeah. This uh, coming weekend. With nobody and, there, yeah. Yeah, and I pulled up a picture of their uh, stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very state-of-the-art, similar to the one that the uh, – Cowboys and the Chargers played in in L.A. on okay. Sunday night. But the name of this one, what they call this particular stadium you now for the Raiders, the Death Star. No, really? Yes. <laughs> that's Ooh, what it, Kai, I'm your father. That's what it looks like, the Death Star? I hadn't, I hadn't seen it, I don't guess. Yeah. I guess I guess Al Davis will be hovering in, in the Man, in the, I uh, tell you, I, I am so spoiled, though, and I, I think there are a lot of people like me. If there's not some some amount of fans in there, I just don't want to watch it. I think it's coming. I uh, I don't know if you saw. I, I sent you a text. Uh, Clay Travis is reporting that the uh, Titans will have fans in their stadium uh, for the second home game. Okay, in Nashville, yeah. that'd be great. They didn't say how many, but they said they are going to have going to have some. Yeah, live rear ends there in you the go. stand. You know, like Kansas City had some fans. I think, you know, you have other markets like Dallas and Miami and places who are going to host games now that they'll have some fans in there. Just some amount of fans makes it so much easier for me, palatable for me to watch it. But without them, it was a giant turnoff. Well, I'll tell you this. I think, I think a week from tomorrow, a week from tomorrow, it'll be two weeks uh-huh. since the uh, Kansas City Chiefs game. 
And I I would say if you don't have a lot of uh, spike in Kansas City amongst those people uh, who went to the game, mm. you'll probably have the uh, number of people elevated that can attend. That's a really good point. People will watch that and see how that went. Yeah, really good point. Good stuff, JB. Enjoyed it as always, you too, sir. Pal. Yep. Thanks, man. Yep, thank you. I'll see you tomorrow for y'all tuning in. Appreciate you. See y'all tomorrow. See you.